Here, Andrew Krapischitz is here from Moscow. Andrew has worked in the high-tech industry for over 20 years. This is uh, mostly pulled from his website, Red Balloon, and it's mostly true. He began his career in Silicon Valley, building business process automation and selling 3D modeling software. In 2001, Andrew became a founding member and later CEO of MZ, which he took from a little-known consulting company of three employees to an international economic data firm with over 250 employees worldwide. Actually, both Jerry and I worked for Andrew at different times, which might tell you something. Andrew not only pioneered the operational tenets that rocketed MZ to success, uh, three, these three tenets were bless the customer, bless the employee, bless the shareholder, and hopefully he talks about those a little bit at some point to, uh, tonight or tomorrow. Um, he also led the company through several uh, transitions to private equity firms, strategic buyer, and a national nonprofit, each transition producing significant returns for the investors. That said, probably his little known greatest success at MZ was helping these two individuals present here who used to work for him realize that they did not in fact have a calling in the tech industry. <laughs> Mr. Kabyshitz has also contributed his talents to numerous other companies, some of which have led to additional strategic and MBO exits. He's taught grad level classes in 3D modeling and software architecture, served on the board of multiple nonprofits, and has won several competitive figure skating competitions. A very specific kind of figure. Andrew is the founder and CEO of Red Balloon, which was founded in 2021 as the solution to the ever-growing problem of government overreach and cancel culture invading the American workplace. Red Balloon connects like-minded businesses and Americans who seek the freedom to work without the fear of discrimination against personal beliefs, infringement on constitutional rights, or invasion of medical privacy. Red Balloon has seen much success over the last year or so, and perhaps, I hope, we will hear more about it from the man himself. Mr. Krabischitz and his wife live in Idaho with their five children. Thank you for coming, Andrew. Thank you, thank you very, very much. When Jerry, Jerry was my first sales rep um, that I had ever. Um, he was amazing. And then he said he was gonna go be a pastor. And I said that was the worst idea I'd ever heard in my life because I still had a quota I needed him to accomplish. And uh, my solution, um, which my wife talked me out of, was if you plant a little controversy about a sin in his life, he gets kicked out of the church in a hurry, I get my sales rep back. Uh, my wife thought that was a bad idea, so you're welcome. Now you have Jerry. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, given that, let's, uh, let's pray about this thing. Dear Heavenly Father, you've given us so much. I pray that we would be faithful with it. I pray that you would give us an opportunity to um, take dominion in our lives, in our communities, in our workplace, um, that you would give us the stamina, that you would give us the desire, um, and that it would be clear that it is all to glorify your name and not our own. I pray that you would teach us to do it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, um, you've heard a little bit about my story. I'm going to give you a little bit more just so you know who you're uh, hearing from today. Um, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I have been in this uh, tech world that many of you live in, and uh, everyone thought I was retarded until I was six. Um, that's actually the opening line that I used to win my wife. She says, uh, uh, I went after her, and she, she's Dr. Crapuchettes, I'm sub-GED Crapuchettes, and she said, I said, hey, I'd like to get to know you better, and she said, well... I don't know you well enough to let you get to know me. Why don't you tell me about yourself? And so I said, well, everyone thought I was retarded until I was six, and some people still think I am. And it worked. Here we have five children. It's amazing. So you never know what God's going to use uh, in your life. So 
1999, I got tired of liberals and traffic, and so I moved to beautiful Idaho. I now live, just this is kind of my bragging moment, I now live on 60 acres, 10 minutes from the office, um, and can see 100 miles from my front porch. Um, I hope that the traffic here is not too bad for you. I've heard it's not really that big a deal. Um, I have had the opportunity to start a number of businesses. Um, when, we start, when I started MZ in Moscow, Idaho, uh, we had a goal, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more tomorrow. I had a goal of 50 employees earning over $50,000 a year in Moscow, Idaho, which is the worst business plan you could ever even imagine because you can get there and completely run out of cash and go out of business. But my goal was to move the needle on my little town um, and so I'm going to do three talks today. So strap in, get a seatbelt. You might need one tomorrow. I don't know. Um, and I'm going to talk about dominion in the workplace tonight. I'm going to talk about um, dominion as an uh, employer. I'm going to encourage you to start a business tomorrow. I'm going to walk you through some of the things that I think you should think about and be preparing for um, in taking dominion of the economy and the world that you touch. And then the last one, take, talk a little bit about taking dominion as an employee because if you do, you could be just like Jerry Owen um, or Ty someday in your life. So that's really the goal. So those are the three things we're going to talk about. Uh, and I have been blessed. I've had six successful exits, which is a bit of a tongue twister, but it's true, um, ranging from a couple hundred thousand to a couple hundred million. Um, and it's all been to God's glory. And it's been an amazing learning experience. And I hope to uh, share some of those things with you. So Let's talk about dominion in the workplace. <clears throat> this is something that Red Balloon, which is a new business that I've started recently, is very uh, focused on. Uh, but why do we have to take dominion in the workplace? Uh, many of you work at large companies, and you feel like the woke police are all over you, right? They are uh, watching your every move. Heard of someone recently who was teaching a Bible study after work, and the, uh, somebody from HR came to the Bible study, recorded it, wrote them up, Put them in a lot of trouble. I heard about another lady who had an American flag in her team's background, and she was told that that is triggering because it's a sign of white supremacy, and you may not have that in your uh, team's background. Um, a lady at Deloitte told me a story about how she was told after her DEI training, she went through all of this um, horrific training where she was told she's a racist, there's no way you can repent of this, it's just the way it is. Um, and, and then at the end of it, the trainer got up and said, you know, I wish all those unvaccinated people would go to an island and die together. Right? This is an American saying this to another American in a corporate work environment. How did we get to this spot? I ask you. And so, um, and I will tell you, the way that we got to this spot is we conservatives and Christians believe there's a God in heaven. And you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. But let me, let me unpack that a little bit for you. So, um, liberals... Um, like to get in everybody's business. We are a live and let live crowd, right? How many times do you just think, you know what, I'm just going to keep my head down. I'm just going to do my thing. I don't have to mess with this. I don't have to deal with this thing. That's because we're a live and let live crowd. I think we could walk with a rock in our shoe longer than anybody. We have a higher pain tolerance than anybody because we don't want to um, mess with other people's lives. And that's partly because we know there's a God in heaven we know that God is going to take care of this stuff. We need to be faithful with our families, with our work, with what's in front of us. And as a consequence of that mindset, and there's a lot of good things about that mindset, as a consequence uh, of that mindset, a lot of liberals have really taken over the workplace. Um, and, so, and we're going to go into that a little bit because 
Um, it, there was a small business owner in Moscow, Idaho. He had a bagel shop. And I said, and um, he had a sign up for masks required during the whole COVID stuff. I'm like, you don't believe in this, Jeff. He's like, no. But if I don't put that sign up, the liberals will blow me up on Twitter. And if I do put the sign up, the conservatives will just be like, oh, whatever. Right? They'll just kind of do their thing. But I think that's the moment. That's why um, we have lost our workplace. And so I'm going to encourage you um, not to leave your workplace, but to um, get kicked out of your workplace uh, for causing a fuss. Because I think we need to get better at that. We need to understand. And it's great that we believe there's a God in heaven, and so we're a live and let live crowd. But I think it's a moment in the history, in the economy, uh, for conservatives to stand up. And it's interesting because uh, liberals, um, and in fact all of us, we're all evangelists, right? We all evangelize for what we believe in, right? We believe in God, but we want to make sure we're not trying to cram our worldview down other people's throats. But if you don't have a God in heaven, if you don't believe there's a God in heaven, well, what is your God? Everybody needs a God, whether it's your ideology, whether it's the government, right? You always know what the God of the society is by what the blasphemy laws are, right? That's how you know what the God is. So what are the blasphemy laws in your work environment today? Are you allowed to make an LGBTQ alphabet soup joke? Probably not. Okay. Um, and, you all, and we all know what are the things you're just not allowed to talk about in the workplace today. And that's because um, that is their God, and they're evangelizing for their God. And that's part of the reason that the left has captured the workplace. And we need to figure out how to um, push back on that. Because the stories that I'm hearing through Red Balloon, and all of you know about these stories, um, the workplace has become a place of showing religious allegiances in a lot of ways, right? Washington State University, our beloved Cougs, they were making employees go through a multi-hour training, and at the end of it, they needed to sign a document that they were, a, they were personally a safe space for uh, homosexuals or for non-binary, all the things they make up, right? They had to personally sign something that said they're a safe space for these people. Well, what are they doing? They're trying to get you to have a religious allegiance to their religion, to their God, right? And you can always tell what those blasphemies are. That's how you know what it is. And so my argument to you is um, it is great because we are Christians and we are conservatives. We like to keep our head down. We need to focus. But it is time to fight a little bit. And I'm going to give you some things you can do um, that will keep your family intact while you are fighting um, to take dominion of your workplace. Because I think there are some really good things that are in front of you. Um, and it's actually really fun. Um, I have run some companies where I couldn't be an unapologetic public conservative um, because while all the employees knew that I was an unapologetic, unapologetic conservative Christian, our customers probably didn't know that, and if they did, they would freak out. And so, you know, I realized I was doing a little self-censoring on that front. Now I'm running Red Balloon, and I can say anything I want on Twitter. It's really, really fun. Uh, I can make fun of people. Um, it's amazing. So, um, so this is, the, this is the, the moment we're in. We have an opportunity to fight. I think Dave did a great job of, like, look, um, if there's evil around you, if the, if the day is evil, hallelujah, let's get after it. Why did God make you a dragon slayer if there are no dragons, right? And why are we raising kids who are dragon slayers if, um, if there are no dragons to slay? And I think there are great opportunities for Christians to be brave, uh, for you to be um, bold and courageous in your work environment. And I don't think it always has to end in you losing your job, even though it did 
for me, so you might not want to take advice from me because it didn't work out. Okay, um, so what are, why, why, why dominion? Why are we talking about this? God told us to, right? Not only is there a dominion mandate in Genesis where we're told to go out and do that, but I would argue the Great Commission in Matthew, like, that is a dominion mandate. We need to be conquering the world for the gospel, and work and what we do with our lives for most of our waking hours is our vocation, is a great opportunity for us to take dominion. And I think a lot of conservatives have kind of bought into this neutrality myth or this sacred-secular divide where I've got church, and I'm going to raise my family, I'm going to do the right things, I'm going to be on the school board, and then I'm going to go to work, and I'm just going to do work. I'm just programming. I'm just welding. I'm just building things. But I think there's an opportunity there. In fact, I know there's an opportunity there for you to glorify God and be in a fight in a different way in the work environment. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, and we're men. We're built to protect. We're built to protect not just our wives and our families, but our societies, right? God built us to fight. God built us to protect. And, and honestly, we're going to lose our culture if conservatives continue to walk with that rock in their shoe and decide that they're not going to stand up and push back in the workplace, which is what we're talking about here, but in lots of areas of life, right? When we have pastors who aren't courageous enough to push back against what's happening in our world, um, that's how you lose a culture, and we don't want to lose our culture. So um, this is what we have to do right now. Check my notes. Um, Okay, Um, also, why does God tell you to do these things? Why is God telling you to go out and take dominion? Um, it is really good for your soul, right? Does God need you to take dominion of your workplace? Does he need us? No, could God do it alone? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but he has given us a charge to go and take dominion, to go out and preach the gospel, to win people to Christ. God could do these things without us, but he uses us because he cares about our soul. And this is the moment that we have to follow. Okay, um, when you, if you want to succeed in this, and all of you are thinking, yes, but I've got a great job, and I don't want to lose that job. And this is really, really powerful, because the reality is, conservatives, one of the most uh, potent leather, levers for us is our vocation, is our job. And let me explain this to you. If you lost your Twitter handle, who would care? Right? If you get canceled from Twitter... Most of us don't make a living doing that stuff, so that cancel culture doesn't make that big a deal. If you can't feed your family and you can't pay your mortgage, I bet that gets your attention in a different way, right? And I think the liberals have figured that out, and that's why I'm focused on the workplace, which I'm going to unpack a little bit um, here in a minute. So you need to be prepared if you have a line that you cannot cross in your workplace, or if you stand up and be brave in your workplace, you need to be prepared What's going to happen when, when that moment comes? Um, if, uh, you know, if you're a guy who is not a righteous person and you're in the back seat with a girl, that's not your moment to think through, okay, what's my theology of waiting until I'm married and that kind of, right? That's not the moment. If you're in the workplace and the HR department is breathing down your neck, you need to have already made your plans. You need to already have had, know where the line is that you will not cross. Right? And that's a hard thing to do in that moment. And if you haven't done any preparation, many, many Christians have crossed lines that they would otherwise not be comfortable with because they were caught unaware. 
Um, now, some are super prepared. I'm going to give you an example of one. There was a VP of sales uh, that um, he was up giving a presentation for the entire company, for 600 people. And this is a, a nice red balloon story for you. Presenting, he uses Proverbs without the reference verse, just gives a Proverbs in the presentation, just talking about um, how we need to be striving to do better as a company, right? It's totally appropriate, Proverbs. He gets a call from the HR department the next day and says, you know, you can't be using the Bible for, you know, company. It's religious discrimination to use the Bible in a presentation, right? This is a true story. And he's like, okay, really cool. I'm glad that you knew that was Proverbs. It means you're studying your Bible. That's good job. But then he was prepared, and I love this. He said, so he says, then the next thing I said to the HR person is, I want to understand why you are putting your career on the line by, by challenging me on this right now. Because it's religious discrimination because I gave a Chinese proverb and I gave a biblical proverb. And why are you putting your career on the line? Well, also the HR person who's usually on the offensive, right? Usually on the ball of their feet is like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, no, I just don't think you should do that anymore, right? And the only reason he was able to do that is because he prepared, okay? So let me give you some things that I want you to think about when you're preparing. Um, and he still has his job. And guess what? He's having an impact on that company. And there are now more people in that company that are feeling comfortable living their values out loud because he had the courage to do that, right? I talk about that lady at Deloitte who uh, was told that all the unvaccinated people should go to an island and die together. Well, guess what? She was telling me this story. She ended up leaving Deloitte and got a new job through Red Balloon. But she said, it was that moment where I'm like, okay, I don't want to work for Deloitte anymore. And I do not want to stand for this kind of thing. So she raises her hand and says, by the way, I'm never going to get that vaccine. But the room is dead silent, right? And the trainer assumed that everyone agreed with him. Right? He just assumed that. And so this lady's like, no, I'm not going to do this. Dead silent. She says it was about 15 seconds. Nobody said anything. And then all of a sudden, two other people are like, yeah, I'm not going to get the vaccine either. <laughs> I was like, and she's like, what? You know, she didn't expect that. But the reality is that when you're actually brave, you give courage to other people. So this VP of sales who's telling me the story, he's like, people are coming to me all the time now because I actually just stood up to HR and said, no. No, are you really going to put your career on the line by pushing back with, on me on this moment? Right? And so just being prepared. Okay, you need to know who your allies are um, if you are going in for a fight, right? Um, if you are in a battle and you don't have any idea what your weapons are, what your allies are, who you're protecting, how you're protecting them, I guarantee you're going to lose that battle, right? And so when you think of the workplace as something you need to take dominion over and you need to fight for, right? When we're taking dominion over ourselves, we have to fight for that, right? That doesn't just happen. Um, we need to sing the Psalms as loud as we can, which I like that a lot, right? But that's, in one sense, you're fighting sin. And so we're in a fight in the workplace. So who are allies? Who are the people who are within your organization? Who are people with, um, within other organizations that have the same worldview? And you need to have a conversation with them because there is strength in numbers. Conservatives are actually the largest ideological group in America, but we're the least likely to say anything, right? And so we can't take dominion if we're all these disparate little groups all over the place. And you say, are we really the largest ideological group in America? I'm glad you asked. So uh, <laughs> the uh, Arizona uh, Christian University did a really interesting survey 
Um, instead of asking people what they believed in or what they wanted, they asked them, what would you fight and die for? Right? Instead of just, what do you want? Do you want pornography? Do you want abortion? Do you want homosexuality? Do you want these things? Or what would you fight and die for? Well, guess what? They uh, surveyed tens of thousands of families, and 80% of people said they would fight and die for their family. Not surprising. Um, 78% said they would fight and die for freedom, for their country. You kind of go down this list. It's all these conservative values. <clears throat> Guess what only 3% of people would fight and die for? Access to pornography. Right? Because that's just something that, like, oh, yeah, if it's easy, I'll sashay into it, no big deal. But it's not something I'll fight and die for. And so based on this survey, 80% of Americans actually have Judeo-Christian values. They would fight and die for their family, for their freedom, for their country, but they would not fight and die for access to abortion, access to pornography, um, any of the things that the media tells us all the time we want. So my argument is uh, conservatives are the largest ideological group in America, but we've been the least likely to say anything. We're not willing to get into the fight in the way that we should. So if you need to be preparing for a fight, you need to know what line you're not going to cross when it's brought to you, right? When someone says, okay, you need to sign this thing that you're going to be a safe space for homosexuals. So you're never going to talk to them about their sin. You can't sign that, right? Um, and if you're forced to sign that, that might be the line where you need to throw down. And you might need to throw down like that VP of sales and say, well, guess what? Um, I think that this is um, a religious liberty violation. And I heard you have my law firm ready to go. Do you want to go? Because I bet you they don't. Because liberals are happy to throw the first punch, but they never want an extended fight. Okay? So you need to know who your allies are. Who are the people within your organization? And there's probably more than you know. In fact, uh, Red Balloon did a, uh, a thing in June. We thought it'd be funny to do a coming out conservative in the month of June. It'd be a good month to come out conservative. We thought that'd be funny. Random month. June. <laughs> And what we found, and we hit like hundreds of thousands of people with this message, we heard from a lot of people, they said, you know, I came out conservative in my workplace here in Austin, Texas, and found out that 85% of the people actually agreed with me. But we were all just keeping our head down, and the three woke tards were running the whole show. <laughs> I was like, right? I was like, well, what if you came out conservative earlier? What if you lived your values out loud? You might find out that most uh, people that you're actually working with right now actually share a lot of the same values, right? Um, conservatives are terrible at working together. Uh, I've got some good friends at Parler. Um, do you remember the Parler story, right? The whole thing got taken down. When they were taken down, they were adding 500,000 new users a week. They were the top app in the app store. And do you know the three organizations that worked together to take them down? Apple, Amazon, Google. Right? Do those organizations work together at all? Like Apple and Google hate each other, right? Apple, you know, iOS and Android, right? Like they're arch rivals, and yet they figured out a way to work together to take down Parler. Whereas conservatives, like, oh, you're 5% different than me? I can't work with you because you're Presbyterian and I'm a Baptist, so sorry. That's just the way it is, right? But I mean, that's the way we are. Right? And so you need to know who your allies are, and you need to build that, um, that group um, in your workplace, in your community, because when the fight comes, you don't want to be the only one there. Right? You don't want to be alone. Um, uh, 
and I would say that the sons of this world are better at playing this game, right? I talk about Parler being taken down. Um, there's so many examples that I keep running into where liberals are better at working together and conservatives just aren't. And we just need to get better at that. And if we do, I think there are, again, more of us than there are of them. Think of Bugs Life, right? We're the ants, they're the grasshoppers. We just need to be a little more powerful. Um, one of your allies needs to be, um, do you have a lawyer that you at least have some relationship with um, when you're in the workplace, right? You would be surprised what your rights are as an employee that are probably being violated all the time. And most of us are just like, well, again, I'm just going to keep my head down, right? Do you have a good labor lawyer? Have you talked to one before? Um, so that when that moment comes, you know your rights. And that was that VP of sales who was like, I know that you are not allowed to do what you're doing right now. And because I know that, I'm going to win this battle and I'm going to uh, win a war, you know, a small battle for my workplace. So find a good la labor lawyer, at least have a relationship with them if you're in a big woke work environment. Because again, I'm not encouraging you to leave and I'm encouraging you to stay and fight, but that does mean you need to know what you're, um, what you're fighting and how to fight. Um, I'd also encourage you as men, you need to be preparing your wife right now. Um, because if you end up being in a fight in the workplace, if you end up being in a spot where you have to push back, you have to do something brave, um, you want your wife to be prepared. We as men are designed to fight. We know how to fight. We want to fight. We're here to take dominion. Um, and your wife, you need to be bringing her along to this. Um, and I'm going to brag on my wife a little bit. Not that I did a great job of this, but she did a great job of this. Um, when I left MZ, which is now called Lightcast, um, they basically told me, well, they exactly told me, we're okay with you being a CEO who happens to be a Christian. It is not okay for you to be a Christian CEO. Those exact words from my board in a board meeting. I'm like, first of all, I'm complimented that you know what a Christian CEO is and that you think that I'm one. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> but, like, it was as clear as day, like, okay, deny who you are as a Christian CEO if you want to keep your job, right? And all of us, if we get to that moment, that was a pretty easy one. I'm like, yeah, well... Nice to, nice to know you. I'm out of here, right? Um, but we're not always going to get those clear moments when you have that, and you need to be preparing for that. My sweet wife, I got um, you know, home after this long extended battle. It was like a month-long battle. Finally ended up uh, losing my job, and she had a 42-year-old bottle of whiskey for me as a way to go, you lost your job, right? <laughs> That's a good woman, and I would encourage you you need to be bringing your wife and your family along. When I hired uh, my head of product at Red Balloon, Aaron Younger, and I'm going to brag on him for a minute, he was um, a product, um, he got a DoorDesk prize at Amazon, whatever that is, I think that's a good thing, got it from Jeff, um, and then um, he went and started a church in Chicago, and then he was a global product manager for GE Healthcare, um, and then he realized that it was no fun to have to pretend like he was liberal, and so he ended up coming over to Red Balloon, and I said, look, Aaron, I can pay you like $75,000 a year. It's kind of embarrassing, but that's all I have budget for right now. And he says, my family is battle ready. We are ready. We are ready to tighten our belt. We are ready to be in the fight, and we want to do this thing. We want to be in the front line of the culture war. Um, and we have prepared financially to be in a position to be able to do that. We've prepared spiritually, so my wife is just fired up about me taking uh, 
you know, significant pay cut. That's not for everybody. Not everybody's prepared for that moment. But I just love that his first response was, my family is battle ready, right? My family is battle ready for this moment that, that we're in right now. So I would encourage you, start getting your family battle ready. Because we don't know what the battle is going to be. The battle might be that you stay at your company for a long time and you are a beacon of light to the people around you, right? And that's going to be a battle in and of itself. Or maybe the battle looks very, very different. But I encourage you, start getting your family ready. Get them battle ready uh, for what's coming down the pipe. Um, and then just have a clear plan. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit tomorrow about how you can start a business. Um, obviously, I feel like Seattle, this is the hotbed. There's lots of businesses started all the time. Starting a business doesn't always have to be you go out and get VC funding and do this big thing. You can start something small on the side so that if you do lose your job, you're not going to nothing. Um, and I would encourage men, if you have too many hobbies, you probably need to stop one of them and turn one of them into a money-making hobby so that it could turn into a business someday. And that's part of just preparing, right? You think about if we're gonna go after, if we're gonna start a war, you prepare, you bring, you make sure you have your battle plan, you make sure your troops are in line, you know who your allies are, and then you can go to war. And if you don't do those things ahead of time, you're not prepared, and um, you're gonna get caught in a really bad spot where either you're gonna have to compromise, um, or you're going to lose your job, and you're going to be in a worse spot because you hadn't prepared at all. Make sense? So far, everybody's awake, tracking, alive, amazing. Okay. Um, next thing I'm going to encourage you to do, I want you to define success of that battle, right? So you're in a fight at work. What does it look like to win? Winning sometimes, if you're at a multi-billion dollar, you know, I'll pick on Microsoft, um, I'm running Word and Windows and all the things, so, um, and I have an Apple phone, so like I'm still part of the beast or something. Um, but say it's Microsoft, it might, the, the success might be, I'm going to finish the next 10 years here, and I am going to see my entire department be in a position where we don't celebrate Pride Month, right? Pick yourself a goal. What does success look like? If you have envisioned something beyond just doing your job, right? You should do your job. We should be faithful at that. If you are the best at your job, then you're in a position where, where you can fight because it's a lot more painful for them to fire you, right? So you want to be best at your job. But feel, think through, what does success look like if I take my Christian worldview and I actually apply it all the way down at work? What does that look like? What does success look like? It could be that I'm there for a long time and I've made a huge impact on the culture of my group or my company. It could be that I go out in a flame of fire and uh, go start my own business. Um, it could be that I find a new job on Red Balloon and I'm happy forever. <laughs> that might, that's probably not it. It might be. Um, but I want you to actually think through it and talk to your wife about it. Go out to dinner and be like, okay, honey, I'm, in a, I'm, I'm behind any, enemy lines working at a big woke company. At some point, I'm going to hit either a fight or a compromise, and I don't want to compromise, so I need to be prepared for a fight. What does success look like if I come to that moment? Right? And spend time thinking about it, because when you come to that moment, it's a lot harder if you haven't done any preparation, if your family's not battle ready. Okay? Um, and so um, it, is, it is really hard to come up with a plan right when that moment comes. So 
plan ahead, think about it, but what does it look like? Is it, I'm going to move? The answer is no. You should stay here and fight, right? Um, I, I've been in Moscow for a while now. I grew up in the Bay Area. I'm happy I made that move, but I know that, man, we need everybody to fight where they are. So I'm actually going to encourage you, don't quit your job. Stay in your job and fight until they fire you, right? Um, but have a plan. Have a plan for when that moment comes. Um, every major, if you, if you, uh, you, know, you look at all the major um, events in the Bible, the birth of Christ, um, Esther, all of these, there's always the political figure is the person who kind of marks time, you know, Pontius Pilate or Herod or, um, you know, King Agrippa. All of these uh, political figures are people who are powerful in their communities, and they're marking the time that, they, that, that these Christians, the prophets, are in, right? Who are our politicians right now? Gross. I mean, right? We all know that, right? But that, you need to be aware that the fact that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are in the White House, that is who is in power right now, whether we like it or not, and that is defining the moment that we're in. All throughout Scripture, right? O ye uh, troubler of Israel, right? Uh, Elijah's dealing with um, King Ahaz. Um, but King Ahaz is the king, and so he has to fight that. So as you think about the culture that we're in today, <clears throat> that is the culture we're in. And so don't think that you can just keep your head down. Don't think that you can be an Esther and just like, well, I'm going to keep my head down and not fight this. No, you need to fight. This is a great moment for you to fight, and all of us have been given this opportunity. Um, we are in a broken culture, but I think this is actually a winnable battle. And I know that's going to sound kind of funny, but I'm going to talk about that even more tomorrow. Um, and this is why I want you to focus on the workplace and why Red Balloon's focused on the workplace. I want you to think about it like this. If you read Sun Tzu's Art of War, he talks about you want things that are both strategic and feasible, right? If you're going into a battle, it needs to be strategic and feasible. So if you were going to go and try and conquer Beauville, Idaho with 150 people, really, really uh, feasible, not very strategic. Like, okay, now we got Beauville, now what do we do, right? Whereas New York City, that is a very strategic target, but it's not very feasible. That would be a hard one for us to be like, hey, let's rally and go take New York City. So why the workplace? You need to go after a target that is feasible and strategic. Universities and liberal media are, um, are very strategic, but they're not very feasible. The left has been very entrenched in the mainstream media. They've been very entrenched in universities for a very, very long time. And so if you want to go and try and win back CNN, the best thing to do is to burn it to the ground, right? That's <laughs> not going to happen, right? Um, and I think a lot of universities, unfortunately, have, uh, are in the same position. I would argue that the American workplace um, is the most recent conquest of the left. There's still a lot of capitalists there who actually just want to make money. They want to get back to the good old-fashioned American way of making money. Um, even in these big companies, they're espousing these woke virtues. Um, there are a lot of capitalists there. The left is not as firmly entrenched as they are in some of these other institutions. Um, and so I think it's more feasible. Okay, so it checks the feasibility thing. Um, is it strategic? If politics are downstream from culture, right, and we talk about the people who are in the White House right now, politics are downstream from culture, then we need to get at the fountainhead of culture. Well, how do we fix culture? 
Church and the family should be the fountainhead. That's where great culture comes from. That's why you need to go to a faithful church. That's why you need to be reading your Bible. That's why you need to be praying. That's why you need to be raising faithful children, lots and lots of them, which I know many of you are, right? That's a really good thing. You need to be doing that. But I would say right after church and family would be your vocation. It's what you spend most of your waking hours doing. And if you are going through DEI training and CRT training and whatever alphabet soup that the woke people come up with, um, I think that's a liturgy designed to tear down the American worker um, and make them submissive to what um, these people want them to do. Remember, you can always tell what the God of the society is by what the blasphemy laws are, and you know what the blasphemy laws are in your work environment, what jokes you're not allowed to make, right? And so um, it, it is a very strategic thing if we can win back the American workplace, right? And that feels completely overwhelming, right? If I say something like that, it's like, well, what can I do? I'm just an engineer, or I'm just a welder, or I'm just a painter, whatever I am. If you are faithful where you are, and you are battle-ready, and your family is battle-ready, and you have a battle plan, you know who your allies are, there is no reason that you can't make a dent on the workplace you're in today. And if all Americans who are conservative and Christian would do that, I think we win back the American workplace, right? And then if you can be free at work, how much easier to be free at home, free in your community? It makes a huge difference, right? Um, I will tell you uh, Red Balloon, which I'll talk about a little bit more tomorrow, is the only startup where I have gotten unsolicited thank you notes from perfect strangers. I've gotten hundreds of these thank you notes from people saying, um, I now work with a value-aligned employer and it has saved my marriage. Like, what? And the lady wrote me, she was from Dallas, and she said, my husband for the last 10 years worked for an employer that hated his worldview, and he now works for someone who lets him live his values out loud, and it has dramatically changed our entire family because you are gonna bring that garbage home from the workplace to, to your house, right? You're gonna bring it home, and if you um, are at a place where you can be free, or if you're courageous at a place where you can't be free, but you are anyway, you're going to bring that home, and you're going to have a better marriage, you're going to have kids that are more engaged, you're going to be more engaged in your community, and I have gotten literally hundreds of thank you notes from people who are like, you changed the trajectory of my family because I now work somewhere where I can be free. We don't realize how much of an impact it has on our lives when we aren't free at work and we don't have the opportunity to be free at work. So that's why I think, and this is why I'm encouraging you, taking dominion of your workplace um, has a huge impact. It is both strategic and it's feasible. So I think it's something you should be doing, and you should do it once you have a battle plan, and you should go after that thing. So that is my encouragement. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk a little bit about why you should start a business, how you should start a business, and how you take dominion in that. Then we'll talk about how to take dominion as an employee and be the most awesomest employee ever. Um, and then we'll do question and answer, and it'll be amazing. But I would encourage you, have a game plan, have a bias for action, go do stuff, right? Um, watch less TV, um, do more fighting. It'll make you feel good. That's all I have to say. Thank you.